Okay, so what's your question? So this is kind of based off of all the recent new tragedies that we've been experiencing. And you know, going back to kind of the question we've talked about before is dealing with your Facebook feed in times like this. Uh-huh. And I haven't thought about it until this recent both the tragedy of the terrorist attack in Charleston uh-huh. and the you know great news of marriage equality. I never really figured out why I don't just unfriend people and block their feeds. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking about it the other day and I was like, <clears throat> I think I do it because I don't want to overly curate my world, you know? Yeah. I kind of want to be reminded of how terrible the world is. Of how ter- right? I don't want to fall into the trap that people, the majority of people think like me. Well, if you really want that, just join some random groups on Xbox Live and you'll get it more than ever. <laughs> like just gaming and then they'll just take care of the rest of my life or Well, yeah. Well, basically, I I it's funny you say that because I was thinking the exact same thing this past weekend when I was trying to do Trials and Destiny. Mhm. And um the regular group that I had established recently, we we couldn't do it or something, or they weren't online. So I found this other random group on Reddit. Seemed like nice guys. They were really good, pretty friendly. Um, guys that I've never met before. They've never met me. They have no idea who I am. And almost immediately there... They're, they start, you know, calling things gay, which eventually turns into saying fag. Mm. And then they're, uh, eventually start using the N word, uh. like not in like a, in like what they find to be a funny way, like a jokey right. way. Like they're not calling people right, the N word, right. but they're saying like, I, I, they're like telling jokes with the N word, stuff like that. And I'm just thinking like. First of all, I'm feeling terrible about myself because it's like I wouldn't normally associate associate with myself with this, but I really want to get to nine and oh. <laughs> so I'll put up with it for the next <laughs> 45 minutes. That's another question for another night, probably. Right. How do you deal with aligning yourself with despicable people for uh, for uh, entertainment end? Right. And I don't think it's any like on their part. I don't. It didn't feel like it was malicious in any way. Right. It just felt kind of ignorant. You know what I right. mean? Like, I'm sure they were young kids, and I'm sure they're kind of of the mindset of, like, at least when it comes to fa- the word fags, of, like, well, I don't mean it that way. And you know what I mean? Like, I'm not I'm not saying it to make fun of gay people. It just is, you know, it's just what we say, stuff like that. Yeah, I wonder, too, if with the next generation, it's kind of this feeling of, entitlement because they are so quote unquote enlightened, Mm -hmm. you know, where it's like, look, we know what all this means. Therefore we can use it properly and ironically. Right. Because for us, it's always been a taboo. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where for us, we grew up probably, honestly, I was kind of thinking about this the other day. I can't remember ever saying like calling somebody a fag outright. Mm -hmm. I, I could see myself probably doing that when I was younger though. You yeah, know? totally. And so it's like, yeah, I I would know I would not do that now. 
Right. But for us, we kind of grew up with that being like, we had to learn about that. Now well, I wonder if, because people are raised in a culture where it's like, that's always a bad word, they feel like, right. yeah, I mean, we are we're I being I think ironic. that's the thing. Now I, f- I find it to be somewhat inexcusable outside of youth, right? Like, when you're a kid, it's just kind of like the excuse is always going to be, yeah, they're a kid, they're kind of, you know, stupid. Whereas I feel like for our generation, yeah, that was a word that I used growing up when I was like 15 or 16 or whatever. But that was also a time culturally before a lot of the gay rights stuff had started happening. And when I was saying it, I was, I wasn't referring to gay people because at that age and at that exposure level, I probably really had no idea what a gay person was outside of, you know, pure definition. You know what I mean? It just was just to use a word that everyone used in the neighborhood or whatever. Right. But as I've grown up and as our generation has grown up and learned more and the culture has expanded, I feel like for the most part, people of our age have learned, yeah, maybe we used it as innocently as it could be used, but at the same time, it's not really an excuse and we should probably just stop using the word. Right. You know what I mean? Whereas I feel like if you're a kid now, you know that that is a very loaded word. Mm -hmm. So you can't really, and look, these kids certainly were not using it ironically. It just was something that they just said. Yeah. The N word is inexcusable. Right. I was, I was regardless. Yeah. 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 It doesn't matter who you are. Now, Really quick, getting back to my original yeah, so question. I was going to say, so how, what, where have you landed on curating your feed? Because I had that same struggle when I was on Facebook. Because to me, it was always like, well, if I'm going to start blocking people, I might as well just not be on Facebook at all, right? Why else am I on Facebook if not to get these different perspectives? Exactly. That's exactly right. it. And I, so that's how I felt and that's how I feel. Um, and so for me, I don't curate it. Mm-hmm. I, if we're friends on Facebook, you have full access to my feed mm-hmm. and I'm seeing your stuff and I'm having to confront that stuff. <laughs> and there's been a lot to confront. I think I showed you a post the other day right. that was just shocking, yeah. just shocking that anybody would feel comfortable. I wouldn't feel comfortable comfortable writing that in my private diary and sticking it under my bed or even in a furnace. Right. The fact that I wrote it, it would be damning enough. It's like cannibal cop territory. Exactly. Coming back. I just thought about it. And so, but I mean, I wonder if that's like, uh, you know, if, if that is kind of a weak excuse to keep allowing myself to get rage, like these, these bursts Mm -hmm. of righteous, Mm-hmm. indignation you know that every yeah. time when this comes up and just jump on there and just be hit with ignorance and then feel good about myself that i'm right. not well there's something like about that. it that definitely draws you in that like at this point i don't have facebook but if i and i sent you this this reddit thread right if i find the right thread on reddit i can't get it out of my mind and i will spend all day arguing with these dummies Mm -hmm. about the stupidest things, Mm -hmm. but I can't pull myself away from it. And I keep going back and I keep trying to 
make my point or I'm convinced that this guy's eventually going to come around. And I'm not even looking to change minds at this point. I'm just, I just want this person to acknowledge my point, to understand what I'm saying, right? Right. That seems to be the, that was the most frustrating thing to me. And that's the whole reason I, I, I let, I quit Facebook because it was, I was of the same mindset. Like if I'm going to start blocking people, I might as well just not be on here at all. And so then I decided, well, I probably just shouldn't be on here at all. Yeah. And, and I don't know for me right now, I'm still uncurated. I'm unfiltered on this world we live in. So what do you use Facebook at for at all? Do you like use the messaging side of it? Do people message you? Yeah, I I have used what, at this point what worth is of what 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 worth is Facebook bringing into right. your life that you have not the cost deleted risk right. analysis? I mean, what's the benefit of keeping it over deleting it? The 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 benefit is connection with Extended family. So you're using those connections, though. You're messaging that extended family, or you're at least mm-hmm. seeing their updates or whatever, I guess. Yeah, and and it's also uh, inside jokes with myself. Like, okay. I kind of I kind of do it. Like, I'm now on this kick where if it's your birthday, mm-hmm. um, I'm writing. I'm trying to think of, like, the worst person imaginable and then wishing a horrible death on them <laughs> in celebration of your birthday uh-huh. you know i'm kind of like uh somebody's last birthday i was like i hope that a soon-to-be serial killer statistically probably white uh-huh. um on his way to c- commit his first murder which will be the first in a string falls off a cliff today <laughs> right. and dies in, in honor of your birthday, in honor of your birthday. I like that. Okay. It's funny. <laughs> and I get to say it on Facebook. Sure. I'm so. going to predict, though, that eventually the uh, ignorance will win out. And even your macabre serial killer death birthday wishes will not be enough to power you past the next gays are killing Christian oh. America post. <laughs> you know, you're probably right. But for right now, those birthday posts are bringing me a good amount of joy. I'm going to talk about we're going to talk about uh, your recommendations for last week right at the top because I also ended up watching a Pixar another Pixar movie this week Ooh! but I went ahead and I watched all the shorts or the since 2000 since 2000 Mm -hmm. and also I watched a couple of like um like uh, I don't even know what you want to call them, but they're not like the original shorts. They're like there's like an Incredibles one, right? Where it's an incredible Jack short. Jack, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I watched all the original ones, I, and I watched most of them with my daughters who loved them. Which I don't think. What that, do they know? I don't think that says much. <laughs> um, and, but then we watched uh, Wall-E. We watched Wall-E. I think Have you was, seen Wally before? Mm-hmm. I okay. think it was last night. And um, 
They liked Wally as well, from what I could tell. They watched the whole thing. But I'm wondering what makes a kid's movie and if Pixar movies can be considered kid's movies. Because I don't think on any... I don't think on a basic kid level they're like understandable or discernible at all. Like I don't think any kid maybe below the age of eight or nine is really going to have any idea of what's happening in WALL-E. And I would say there's probably a good portion of adults who don't understand the larger message of WALL-E. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like there's a very sort of base story to it that you can understand on a very basic level of this robot robot cleaning up a planet or whatever. But the actual like message of the movie, I feel like is going to be lost on a lot of adults. Probably there's no chance in the world. A kid is going to understand it. At least I think. And I think you could probably say roughly the same thing about inside out. Now I'm sure inside out is a little bit more enjoyable for kids just because there's like actual characters that talk. Right. Right. Um, but other than that, like the whole message of that movie is very adult. And the whole message of Wally, I feel like, is very adult. And from what I've heard, the message of Toy Story is pretty adult. Toy Story 3? I'm sorry, I didn't see 3. Oh, you I've haven't seen 3? I've only seen 1 and 2. I mean, 3 actually asks the question or brings up the possibility of their mortality. Mm-hmm. Which is, exactly. Yeah, which is pretty big. There's a moment right. where... They're headed for, spoiler alert, they're headed for a furnace. Right. And they all just clasp hands together. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Bracing for the Right. End. And it's like, that's not, that's not a, that's not, it shouldn't be in a kid. I mean, maybe it should be in a kid's, but like no kid is going to like really get that, I feel like. So what makes a kid's movie, like, should we is, um, what are those movies called? the animal animated movies, whatever they're called, Rio and all that stuff. Madagascar. Madagascar. Is that more of a kid's movie just because it's like, here's a bunch of talking animals and they are in one place and they need to get to a next place. And there's really nothing more to and it than that. singing lemurs. Right. Mm-hmm. Or should, or, or is the Pixar standard more where it just is like, look, a kid is going to find this entertaining basically because they find anything entertaining. Everything else in this movie is for adults. See, you, I think you're taking the Pixar kind of um, mission statement Mm -hmm. and taking a cynical view of it. Basically saying, hey guys, there's a lot of room in children's entertainment. We could either shade it with crappy songs, covers of pop songs, or... We could shade it with more adult themes because to a kid, who cares? The kid isn't going to care that uh, single ladies is being sung by a bunch of dancing lemurs. Right. Or if Woody and Buzz are headed for an incinerator. Right. So let's just go with the incinerator because there's enough people going for the. uh, I think that's I think that's a that's a cynical view of saying like we got enough room here to play. Let's just throw adult themes in there. Versus saying, hey, we want to make kind of challenging children's entertainment, mm-hmm. right? We're not going to dumb down our themes for children. We're going right. to count on children 
rising up to meet and our things. My point is more just an acknowledgement of that. That I don't really think they can be the only thing that makes them a kids movie is that they're animated. Or is that there's talking animal, uh, talking toys in one of the movies. I don't think outside of that, there's anything in these movies that appeal to kids. But that's they're it. Not, what else would not, appeal to kids? They're not funny. They're not particularly fun. Wally's not funny to a kid. Inside mm-hmm. Out wasn't funny to my daughters. They enjoyed watching it, but they never laughed. They never laughed during Wally. I mean, it's. It's fun. I mean, I guess I'm trying. It's funny. Whereas if they saw dancing lemurs singing all the single ladies, they would be dancing and probably laughing and loving it. Right. Um, The cynical aspect, it's funny that you bring that up, though, because one of the things now I didn't particularly care for Wally the first time I saw it. I didn't really care for it the second time I saw it. I feel like it's kind of boring. I understand the message, but I also feel uh, I don't know if I recognize this the first time I saw the movie because it was so long ago when I saw it in the theaters. But I feel like it's a very cynical movie. They get to, you know, they finally find out what's happened to the human race and they've basically all become independent on technology, completely given up on life. Nobody, literally no single human being has any extrinsic motivation whatsoever. They are all literally fat blobs in wheelchairs that do nothing. And hover chairs. Hover chairs, whatever. And there's a moment in the movie where one of the fat blobs finally stands up and does something for himself. Pushes a button. And it's happening over the score of 2001. Yeah, Wagner. Right. Whatever song that is. I know it is the score for 2001. <laughs> I'm not familiar with the classical... With the actual piece of music that right. it is. I know that it is the mo- the moment in boom, 2001 boom, boom, when boom. monkeys are discovering fire, right? <laughs> and I feel like that is a very, very cynical scene and a very cynical combination of images. And I would imagine if you find a video on YouTube where some guy has taken compilation of like public footage of fat people doing things in public and is playing the 2001 score over that, you would imagine that YouTuber to be like an asshole, right? You think, like, this guy's a total jerk, like, just making fun of these fat people. But for some reason, when Pixar does it in WALL-E, it's like, I guess it's supposed to be a joke, but it's also, I mean, it's obviously commentary. Well, yeah, yeah. And I understand joking. the commentary, yeah. but it yeah. just seems like a very cynical way to look at things, which I think is not very admirable in a children's movie. Mm, I think you're stretching the message too far in what they're trying to say. There are parts of Wally that are very cynical, right? By and large, you know, right. basically saying our consumerist drive led to this, this waste, this destruction of the right. environment. That's a cynical premise to start your film off of. I think it's balanced by a very uncynical, very sentimental story between Eva and Wally that I think kind of counter counterbalances the cynicism. And by the time the people come into play, I think it is kind of saying, you know, we've made our point. Now, largely, let's have a little more fun with it, you know? Um 
and so I don't think that they're being as cynical as they are, you know, just kind of riffing on their setup mm-hmm. a little bit. And I see that as a reference. Yeah, if you're cinematically kind of linguistic, then you're going to hear that and you're going to think, oh, apes getting fire. We are restarting as a human race here. Mm-hmm. We are having to relearn our humanity. Clever. Not cynical. I, I took it as a clever yeah. commentary. Yeah. And to be f- honest, I don't necessarily agree with my with that point that I made. I just thought it was interesting, and that's my initial reaction to it. But at the same time, in Inside Out, you have I feel like you have similar moments at least where it's like, you know, the movie has a, a limited amount of time to do whatever it needs to do. And so because of that, the father, the one time you get to spend, go inside the father's head, he gets boiled down to a very stereotypical father that it's in all the commercials where it's like, he's watching sports, he's watching sports, not listening to anybody. And it is a very stereotypical. And I guess you could say cynical look at a, what a father is. But I think in Inside Out, that's balanced by the fact that every single scene you have of the father in the movie outside of that, he's super engaged with his daughter. He's really into what she's in. You know, he's he's really aware of all of her interests and her emotions. You know what I mean? He's not just like this. this he's not the disconnected guy that you would imagine if you had just seen the clip of him, the inside of his brain clip or whatever. Mm-hmm. Whereas, and I look, I wasn't even fully paying attention to Wally the second time <laughs> I watched it because I'm cleaning the kitchen or doing whatever and the girls are watching it. But I do remember sitting there and that scene coming up and me just, that image is just, it's just striking. And it just is kind of like, I feel like maybe because I did take it out of context, you can take this out of context and it is a very like, assholey thing to do or to say right well so i don't know i just thought that was it kind of bugged me but (laughs) we'll see (laughs) so you watched uh the netflix documentary about nina simone called what what happened miss simone yes so really quickly what i wanted to say about this is i knew of nina simone obviously before the documentary there are certain songs of hers that I'm very familiar with. I hadn't heard Strange Fruit until Kanye West sampled it mm-hmm. and then became obsessed with that song. And um, and Nina Simone's political songs, I think, are all of them really, really good. Mm-hmm. Watching her perform live, I didn't realize her musical like mastery. Like mm-hmm. She was a brilliant musician and I didn't realize how brilliant until I saw her perform live. So the concert was amazing in terms of that. Um, The issue that I have with the documentary and a growing issue that I have with a lot of documentaries and stories is they touch on the fact that Nina Simone was bipolar. Mm -hmm. They interview her daughter who says, She was abused, basically. Mm -hmm. Like, Nina Simone was kind of in and out of her life a little bit. She was living with other family members, and she 
like came after she was a little older. I forgot what she said, elementary, middle school or whatever. And she's like, basic, she, she, she lived in terror where nothing she did was right. And she was like, no, I was the one getting beat on. And the documentary moves on. And then at the end, it ends with people saying like, there has never been a more blah, 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 blah than Nina Simone. There's never been a blah, blah, you know, and it ends on this like uplift or whatever. <clears throat> and it's like, look, I wasn't the one abused by her. So I don't have the right to be like, hold on, guys, let's go back and look at that. But I felt like saying, what, what are you doing in telling this woman's story by, yeah, you're blowing my mind in terms of her musical skill and showing mm-hmm. that. But then this kind of darkness in her is touched on so lightly and then moved on that you're just like, all I'm left with is this weird feeling of like, she was a child abuser. Right. You know, I mean, she was a terror to her daughter. The impression I got from the trailer was that it was mostly about her personality. That's what I thought too. That's what I thought. That's too. like ninety percent of the trailer. Right. It's almost like the big buildup of the trailer, right? And maybe it's the fact that that's how I perceive this documentary to be. Mm-hmm. And then it's called like "What Happened, Miss Simone." Right. We are going to dig into what happened, but instead, it's just kind of your standard. Like, and it seemed like, and again, I don't remember the daughter's name at the end when the credits were rolling, it seemed like she was credited as like an executive producer. So, you know, part of it too is like using documentary to preserve legacy. And there's enough information out there on the internet where we can look up and be like, oh, James Brown, James Brown, enter and be like, wow, he abused women. Right. And a lot of them. Yeah. And pretty constantly. So nowadays, if you're making films about those people, you're kind of forced into the position of having to acknowledge it at some level. I feel like I've struggled to find a documentary where I got to the end saying that felt like a complete portrait of that person. It didn't feel like they shortchanged something for legacy preservation. Um, and I understand it's hard. It's hard to do. How do you balance a person, any person, especially somebody who is bipolar? Yeah. <clears throat> but I think you need to do more than just introduce this. It's, you know what it is? It's also the issue of like montage of heck, right? Right. Where you have the documentarian basically saying, you can't accuse me of anything in terms of my approach to this documentary. Because I, I showed Courtney Love naked. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, you did. That doesn't con- contextualize anything, though. You know? And just the fact that you're showing somebody in a bad light once or throughout your documentary doesn't mean that you're providing accurate commentary or context into what kind of person they are. Right. And Courtney Love does come off as being like a pretty coherent, good person. Yeah, she definitely doesn't come off as someone who give gave birth to a heroin-addicted baby, I feel like should come off. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I still struggle with that where I don't even know what the right balance is, but what happened Miss Simone definitely did not strike it by just saying 
she was bipolar. She right. was overworked, overstressed. She had issues. Um, now let's get back to praising her. Right. So, I mean, watch it. I'd be interested in, in your take on it. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, I, I, and I feel like you could watch through her kind of rise and as soon as it starts getting into her abusive, you could literally cut off the documentary. I don't think that you would be missing any insights because mm-hmm. the rest is just like, yeah, she's kind of abusive and yeah. messed up. So um, a light recommendation. Okay. Um, I will probably check it out because I, I I do like her music. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, from that, fr- from that end, it is pretty phenomenal. Yeah. You also watched the movie called Point and Shoot. Point and Shoot was another documentary on Netflix. So these are two documentaries on Netflix so you can watch right now. Um, Point and Shoot, I read a little bit about, um, but I didn't really know too much about it. I just knew this was about a guy who went and fought in... Um, oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Libya? Yes. Mm-hmm. Libya. And helped kind of overthrow Gaddafi. Right. The the documentary is really weird, mm-hmm. and I feel like I went to go write something about Letterbox. I was like, I I need to watch it again because <laughs> I think I missed a, a a really integral point of the documentary. Basically, it follows this rich sheltered kid mm-hmm. as he grows up on movies like Indiana Jones and has these kind of delusions of adventure and he gets into his head that he's going to kind of bike across Europe, Africa into Asia a little bit. And he just goes off and he does this thing and he's recording himself constantly. Um, and he goes on this trip and he bumps into a guy from Libya and they become kind of friends and he comes back Home. I think he goes to Libya again, like before mm-hmm. the revolution. But anyway, when he sees the revolution back home, and he comes back home again. He's like, I have to go. And he tells his girlfriend, like, I'm going. And he does things where it's like the day of. He's like, I have to go. And he leaves that day and goes to Libya. Mm-hmm. So delusional, you know, pretty, pretty delusional. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting when you see the footage that they show of him with these guys from Libya, he doesn't really interact with them at all. He seems very <laughs> awkward around them. Yeah. And he seems like a guy who doesn't have friends. And one person is like, hey, buddy. And he's like, oh, my gosh, I have a best friend now. Right. <laughs> That's how it feels like with these uh-huh. Libyan um, people. And, you know, during his travels in Europe and stuff, he was a kind of a wartime correspondent. I don't think he says for who. So he followed around some soldiers and got some, you know, shot some guns and stuff and shows him like maybe he feels like he's way more trained than he is. And it kind of goes through this experience, right, that he has in Libya. He's arrested. He breaks out of jail. He fights for the rebels. He comes home. And it ends, the documentary ends with this question. It's not a spoiler to say, that basically the the uh, director is like when you you said when you were first going out on this you said 
this is like the ultimate test of of manhood. You know, that's how you're viewing this whole mm-hmm. experience. Did you get out of it what you thought? Or like, did you pass the test or something? Mm-hmm. And like, that seems to be the central question. And, and you know, it kind of ends on that question. And so I got to the end, I was like, you know, okay, where does the self-awareness begin and where does it end Right. with this documentary? Yeah. Who is self-aware of who? Is this documentarian as self-aware of this guy? Is he making this whole documentary basically being like, look at this rich, privileged white guy. Right. Try and like have an experience. How crazy is that? Or is he trying to like look at this guy's experience, you know? Or is everyone involved delusional, basically? Is every is everyone delusional? Right. To me, it seems like and just reading a few little things on Letterboxd that everyone kind of took it as the guy in the documentary is delusional. The documentarian is not delusional. He's kind of exposing uh-huh. this guy's experience as being exactly what it is. The fantasies, the lived out fantasies of a sheltered white dude in America who has no connection to that culture mm-hmm. and was trying to create an experience for himself. So is it called point and shoot? I mean, I guess the title has a double meaning. Is it supposed to have a double meaning of like right. point and shoot with a gun and point and shoot with a camera? Yeah. Cause again, it's another thing where it's like, man, this, the selfies in this, Oh, wow. like in maiden trip. Remember we talked about maiden trip oh, yeah. is like mm-hmm. selfie, the documentary, right? Same thing. I mean, this guy, even when he's like riding in a truck full of guys with like guns, you see him sitting there and largely he's silent. And he's just like constantly like looking at the camera, looking at the camera, looking at the camera. And you can kind of see him like right. curating this image in his mind of who yeah, he yeah, is, yeah. Of, of what he's doing, you know? And it's really subtle, right? It's either really great filmmaking on the documentarian's part because he's not like voiceovering through it. He's just kind of cutting together this guy's footage and then interviewing him mm-hmm. like and putting that in between the guy's footage. But um, it it was just uncanny where I couldn't I couldn't pin down who who had dominance in this right. filmmaking <laughs> relationship, you know, yeah. who is playing who, yeah. and in the end, did this guy become aware of like, hey, wait a minute, do you think I'm stupid? Like, yeah, I kept waiting <laughs> yeah. for him to just like right. it to kind of dawn on him, like, wait, are you on my side? And in that case, it made me feel really weird. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really do feel like I need to go back and watch it again, but I'd be completely interested in your take on what that filmmaker is trying mm-hmm. to do because I, I think it, it may have just missed me. And normally, you know, I kind of am aware of stuff like that. So I'm kind of at this point more interested. What has really got my attention from what you said is this idea of like, the new documentarians are going to be instead of like this guy riding in the back of a military truck with like Libyan rebels and you're seeing these rebels sitting in the back with, you know, mismatched armor, you know, like thrown together weapons or whatever. You're seeing that, but then like 
in the bottom right hand corner you see like the face of the documentarian because he's like holding the camera right right he's kind of like either he's got like this really somber look on his everybody's just like is that the direction documentaries are going where it's like the filmmaker has to be on every shot it's like when someone takes a, a when someone is like taking a selfie and it's like it's so beautiful outside today, right? But it's like, you're not showing me a picture of how right. beautiful it is outside. I'm looking at a picture of you, right? I'd be interested if that's where uh, documentaries are going. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's. I almost feel like it would be like a Twitch stream where they're superimposed <laughs> on the bottom. They're just kind of walking it's, through everything. Right. So, uh, yeah, this is in the desert, and I thought that was a guy. It was a tree, uh, but I got really scared here. Cut next yeah, scene yeah, yeah, and yeah. this yeah yeah okay um you also watched the movie called Balls Out for some <laughs> godforsaken <laughs> reason I watched this trailer when we were looking for a movie for the girls to watch last night I went to the Xbox you want to show them Balls Out right I went to the Xbox store this is like when they were getting doing something they weren't in the room I went to the Xbox video store. And I went to new releases to see if there was any like new kids movies out or whatever. And Balls Out was on there. So it's like, oh, Keith told me he watched this. Let me check the trailer out. This movie looks so terrible. There's no single part of this movie that looks good. It looks like a cheap, like, uh, if you went to Blockbuster when Blockbuster was around, a cheap DVD, straight to DVD movie that was like, how did this thing ever get made? And it's only made so you can see these hot girls' boobs and like they can make a bunch of dick jokes, basically. Okay, that and it's called Balls Out. Okay, so there's, there's and a, it has a seventy-seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Exactly. Right. So there's kind of a little bit of a backstory to this, which is, um, you know, I like, and we've talked about it. I like having. Uh, revelation when I watch movies. That's why I watch a lot of the movies that I do. Um, if it gets mildly recommended by a few people that I read and I have some downtime, which I do because we kind of talked about, you know, our wives are mainly the ones who are like working at nights or, right. you know, going out doing things because of their work and we get to be the ones who are like, well, I'll see them with the kids. Right. So I got more time on my hands and I like to watch movies with my wife, so I'll hold good stuff. So then if I'm sitting around saying, well, I got two hours to kill, and I'm going to be playing a video game during it, I might as well throw on a movie behind behind me, and that's usually how I watch some some of the worst movies that I do. Found footage films and stuff, which is kind of in the background. Um... But Balls Out was, I heard it was done by some guys from like SNL and it had some funny people, some up and coming kind of comedians that I was interested to see like what their vision is. Mm -hmm. And that's probably like the Mark Duplass idea too. Like, you know, he made a terrible horror film, not made, but he was involved in the Lazarus effect or something. Yes. For whatever reason. For whatever reason. (laughs) I was interested in that until it got savaged. Right. All the way up until I was still excusing it when certain people were like, oh, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad. But see, this is the mindset that allows you to make terrible bets about movies like Selfless. Hey, we haven't gotten there yet. So <laughs> anyway, I, I I like to see what like what the 
ideas are of the up and coming kind of generation. Mm-hmm. That guy who directed Lazarus Effect, you know, Geo Dreams of Sushi. I'd be really interested in what he does. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's disappointing. It's just like standard fare. What were you thinking? Um, and so Balls Out, I hear about, and it got caught up in distribution issues. Mm-hmm. Somebody bought the bought the film and changed the the title. Apparently, and this is all second. They changed it two balls. They out? changed it two balls out. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the people who wrote and made the film hated that title and didn't want it. Mm-hmm. But the company that bought the movie was like. We need to get them in, you know, like grab them. Let's call it balls out. And it's funny that you say it looks like a vehicle to show women's boobs and stuff. Because that was one thing that, again, I heard somebody talk about. And they're like, it's not your standard, you know, like raunchy. Let's just make some money and show boobs. Mm -hmm. And actually, there are no boobs. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of sexual content at all in this. Then you look at the poster on letterboxed right and it looks like a playboy film right you know a playboy film could sponsored comedy is what it looks like mm-hmm. and um and i'm like this is i'm gonna go for it based on the recommendations right mostly positive there are a lot of writers who are saying like this is not actually that bad right it's actually pretty funny so i watched it and i wasn't gonna do this but I'm just going to read my review okay. um, from Letterboxd. This is not my proudest moment, okay. all right? This needs work. Uh-huh. This is initially right after I, I was done watching, okay? Some questions. What does the poster for this film have to do with the actual film itself? How did this film get funded? Who told DC Pearson and Jay Farrow to keep talking after their first line? Why was this made? Why was this released? How was this released? Who made this? Why did they make this? How did anyone agree to be in this without blurring their face? How did anyone agree to be in this without using a pseudonym? Then the words how and why just continue Uh to bounce around in my empty head as I stare at the blank screen, which is now my soul. (laughs) And that's kind of, I watched it and I was left with like, how? Right. Why? Yeah. This is, this is terrible. Yeah. And the 76%. 77%. Don't take that 1%. Off. Okay, I'm sorry. 77%. That's what it was last night, at least. Has to be based off of a personal connection. <laughs> Maybe some people know these guys and are like, oh, they're good people. They need a good chance. Let's, you know, it's not that bad. Right. Or it's from expectations literally being zero. And this is right. like registers a one. Yeah. Even the funny things in this film as soon as you think about them become unfunny they are <laughs> so like strained to the to the limit these actors are just trying so hard to get you to laugh mm-hmm. and none of it is coherent and none of it makes any sense and none of it works as a satire of the comedies that they're trying to satirically you know address mm-hmm. it's unbelievable and it made me feel bad for laughing at it mm-hmm. any moment early on when i was trying to give it the benefit of the doubt <laughs> but the end of the film i was like this is right. i was kidding myself i was kidding myself yeah and it's who cares 
It's basically about intramural football at a college where people take it way too seriously. That's the other thing too. The title is balls. Like it's has that nothing, has nothing to do with football. Nothing to do with football at all. It's not like even closely re- outside of having the same four letters in it that football does. It has no re- that saying or that phrase has no relation to football whatsoever. That's was also having confused about the trailer because yeah. the football aspect, I feel like it's not in a whole lot of the trailer and we're talking about a trailer first. Right. Of all. But I was constantly forgetting what sport the movie was even about right. while watching the trailer. Right. I mean, it's clearly whoever ended up with the rights to this movie just had no idea what they had. Right. I feel like I imagine that they got it in a storage wars type of bidding <laughs> thing right. where it's like, now we have this set of unreleased <laughs> films who, you know, $500 or whatever. Right. Somebody bid in, got that box, and they found this, and they were like, I don't know what this is. It's called Balls Out. <laughs> it's stick a picture of a woman's butt on the poster. Right. None of those have anything to do yeah. with the actual film. And then the film itself isn't very good. Right. Um, but it's, it's almost interesting to see these people try so hard. Yeah. Okay, so so before I talk about what I've actually been playing, or before I talk about what I'm going to talk about what I've been playing, I want to talk about Hmm. two things quickly. First, I just want to say that I have been absolutely steamrolling people in Destiny. I don't know if if their algorithm for matchmaking is out of whack or what the deal is, but I have just been demolishing people in Destiny's multiplayer, and it feels great. <laughs> I don't know why it's happening, but I will take it. I played, to, they had a daily bounty today for playing five Rumble matches, which is uh, just deathmatch, every man for himself, six player deathmatch. I lost my first match, and I won the next four straight, and it wasn't even close. I was like, 22 and 7, 23 and 5. I was just murdering people. I don't know how it's happening, but I just want to say, like, it's happening. I'm documenting it. So <laughs> when I go back to my regular chump self, I will have this moment. All right. But as of right now, back. I am king of the hill right now. Um, also, I've been playing a little bit of Batman, but um, I realize after talking to you on Saturday about the actual opening of the game. I probably should have saved that for the podcast. And because I'm like overly concerned with authenticity, I don't want to repeat that conversation, but I will say that I played that on Friday or Saturday and I'm still because of that opening questioning, like who I am as a person, (laughs) why I play video games and like what that has turned me into. But what I wanted to talk about was something that you mentioned to me, a mobile game called Her Story. Yeah. Have you been playing it at all? No, no. I was waiting for us to maybe tackle it. Okay. So I downloaded it today. Have you downloaded it? Nope. Okay. When you do download it, save, first of all, make sure you're on Wi-Fi. Okay. And make sure you save a good like 30 to 45 minutes because it takes forever to download because this game is like two gigs big you also have to have a lot of space it's two gigabytes big like which is huge for right. a mobile game but do you so do you know anything about it at all or you've just seen it recommended i was trying to keep myself relatively 
like fresh to okay. the game. I know that, or it appears to me to be a series of interviews with a woman mm-hmm. who's talking about a crime, mm-hmm. and you are having to piece together from her statements right. who committed the crime. Okay, yeah, so I went into it knowing nothing about it except for your recommendation, and I had seen Polygon did like a gameplay overview video, which mm-hmm. they do for games, but I didn't actually watch it. So I downloaded it, and it's that's that's it that's basically what that's as far into it as I've gotten. I've played it for maybe an hour total over the course of the day, and so far it's all it is is you're in like a evidence program, I guess, and you're typing in keywords to search from interrogation videos that this woman is in and you're just trying to piece the story together. And that's basically it. But with that being said, it's awesome. Like really I'm hooked and I've been like typing in and it's also one of those things where it's like the, you, you feel the freedom is almost overwhelming. You know what I mean? Cause like I can type anything into here right. and just see what's, what's coming up. And I'm sure at this point I'm thinking like, there, I'm sure there's Easter eggs hidden throughout where it's like, if you type in this thing, you get this special scene or whatever, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Um, so, But as of right now, I'm trying to keep myself spoiler or free. even like context free. I don't want to know anything about it at all. I just want to try and figure everything out for myself. But we'll talk about it more maybe next week or whenever you get around to playing yeah, it in I was, depth more. I was going to to maybe look into a little more to determine if it's something that we want to do, but it sounds like it's a, it's a go. Like yeah. we should do it. So, yeah. all right, I'll, I'll download it. And maybe the we'll- only thing I will say about it is it keeps track of your search history of the words you've searched so you put for boobs in a few times. You wish you could take <laughs> it out. So there's like two parts of the UI. There's the part where you search and the results. And then there's a part at the bottom called sessions where you can save videos that if you think they're relevant or whatever down Mm. there to the session. And I didn't really understand that mechanic when I first started playing it. And I thought it was going to be like a playlist thing to where like, if I put them all on that session, they would just play back to back to back, but they don't, or at least maybe I couldn't figure it out. So then there's like a little gear where you can go to options and it says like, um, clear session. And it bugged me just having those videos down there because I knew it was a mistake. And it was like every time I looked down there, I was like, oh, look how stupid you are for thinking it worked this way. But then, <laughs> So I'm like, I really wanted to get those videos out of there, but I didn't think there was any way to do it until I saw clear session. And these things are called sessions, except what that does, it just erases everything and starts you completely from the beginning. Whoa. So I lost my search history and it also like tags the videos you haven't seen. So if you search for something and a video comes up that you've already watched, it won't have a tag on it, so you'll know you've already watched it. So I just reset everything. So that was a little frustrating, but it's not a big deal. Okay. Uh, you also, so you you played, or you finished Gone Home, right? You talked about yes. last week you were playing it, and <clears throat> so you actually finished it. Yeah, and I'd been spoiler-free on that mm-hmm. story. And the one thing that I'll say about Gone Home, and I, I wonder, and I don't see how... Like, even as we get better graphics, I don't see how these games will ever go out of 
style. Like, you know, the vanishing of Ethan Carter. And I think they're called walking sims. I haven't really, yeah. yeah. Like, there's something so immersive about that experience that even as I'm seeing the graphical, you know, like, like, you know, and there's something about old cartoons too where you see something that's shaded lighter and you know that's going to now open or right, something, yeah, right? Yeah. And in Gone Home, there's shading issues. I walk into a room, it's like four things pop out because right. I'm like, okay, that's movable, right. that's movable. You know what you this can stuff is not. with, yeah. Yeah, but the experience of searching is still very engaging. And, you know, I really enjoy, and I didn't know about these types of games before, uh, Vanishing of Ethan Carter that I played just a few months ago. Um, but yeah, Gone Home, I definitely had a feeling at the end of I'm going to find something. Like this is building to something true detective-ish, like dark. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it doesn't. Right. But I'm still not disappointed by it. Okay. Um, so I do recommend Gone Home. How much time would you say you put in an overall? So f- start to finish, how long is the game? A couple now, hours? Yeah, this is one thing that I do that I do wonder. So two two things. And this kind of goes to another game that I'm playing, which I talked about before, Banner Saga. Mm-hmm. So here are my two issues. Number one, with walking simu- sims, as I'm going through room to room, I try and make a point to clear that room fully. Because if you get to the end of a part and like in Gone Home, there's a locked door and you haven't found the key yet, where do you go? Mm-hmm. You, you've just cleared to the best of your knowledge all the rooms. Yeah. So now what, you're, what you have to do is go all the way back to the beginning and clear all the rooms again. Touch everything again. Because you don't know what you missed, mm-hmm. Right. I wish that there's a way to tag what you've touched, right? Mm-hmm. Or somehow mark, I've been here. Or maybe I should go here to look. Because in Gone Home, there's a piece that I didn't, I didn't know where to go. I got stuck. Mm-hmm. So I went online, not to do a walkthrough, because I don't like being told. Right. But I like being hinted at, like, here's... A room and so all I saw was a title I looked through I saw a title as I was going through like I was scrolling really slowly and I see a new title for a new room that I haven't been in there's linked to another room I was like oh so there's a hidden something there and I went in there and I found it myself mm-hmm. but without that prompt I was looking at what a week worth of like going back and from the front door being like okay yeah I tried upstairs let's start there and where's the, is that fun? I don't know. Or are they counting on a community to be built around that experience that will be helping each other? Yeah. Like in um, Don't Believe His Lies. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing that I don't know what the intent is with Walking Sims and a potential problem is like, yeah, when you think you've cleared a room and you haven't, there's really no hope for you to go back and find. Yeah. Oh, you forgot to pull that book. Is there anything, is there a worse descriptor for a genre of games than walking, walking sim? sim? Like, I'm not, I have not played a walking sim that I know of. 
and I'm not discrediting the genre at all, but like that is the worst. It's the worst. It, is so, it sounds so stupid. Yeah. And I would never in a million years recommend that somebody pl- some. I would never include in my recommendation. Yeah, it's a walking sim. It's not a sexy sell. Yeah, it, that's terrible. Hey, you like walking sims? No, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> no, you do. Hey, you Trust know how me. great walking is? Imagine if you just played an entire video game where you did was walk. <laughs> where you explored a house. Um, so, yeah, I, I wish that there's more on rails elements yeah. or something. I don't know how to bridge that. The other issue I have, like with Banner Saga. Is there like a map? Yeah. There, you could have like on the map. It could be like once you've touched everything in the room, just have like a check mark on the room or whatever. Right, right. A check mark on the room. And if I get to the end and the room doesn't have a check mark, well, okay, I need to go back and look at that room. Mm-hmm. You haven't hinted what I need to do. It's still hard to figure out what you need to do, you know? Um, like, and what was frustrating is the room that I had to be in, that was a room that I said something, this room, there's something in this room. And I did everything I could think of in that room Uh and I didn't hit it. (laughs) I needed an extra room to go back in the room and really focus and really try. Uh So it was like that room would have been the last on my list. Yeah. That's the one I thought I cleared the fullest. Right. So anyway, the other issue are games where you, where the game is affected by your choice. Mm-hmm. And what I hate is a game where somebody's saying something to you and they'll give you options, right? Uh, leave the oh, conversation. Right, right, right. Tell them to hold on, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, say you have a better idea. And it's like, okay, say you have a better idea. You click on it. And then your character's like, hey, F you. Right. You don't know anything. <laughs> I know what's going on. You know? And you're like... Ah, I didn't yeah. want to do that, you know, and then you piss somebody off yeah. or whatever. And you're like, all, yeah. all I wanted to say was like, I have another idea. Right. And the the choice doesn't accurately reflect yeah. what you're going to say. Or there's so many options, you don't know what the what the impact of a situation is. It's like a multiple choice question on a math problem where they've just changed the decimal points mm. like 18 times. Yeah. And it's like Good luck finding the right decibel point placement. You yeah. know, it's like... Well, the the most notorious game that does that is L.A. Noir, right? Because that was the one where it's like you would pick an option where the option is just like, where's your husband, right? And next thing you know, this investigator is like screaming at this one, like flipping a table, you know, like, where's your husband? <laughs> right. He's like, whoa, I thought he was just going to be like... Where is this? I just want to talk to this guy. Right. Yes. But instead he's like screaming in this lady's face. That happened way more than it should have in that game. And and for me, it makes me want to have to pause, go back to a previous save. Exactly. And do it like I right. can't just go on back, oh well, right. I just totally pissed off a whole, <laughs> you know, race of people. Let's right. just keep plugging along, you know? Yeah. And that's where I wish you could have like in your options be like, you know, uh, Give a little description on like right. rough or yeah. whatever, just so I know mm-hmm. a little more context on how I'm going to be responding. Yeah. Uh, you also played a game called Chronicles of Valeria. Yep. Was that a Steam sale game? Yep. Is that a, like a strategy game? Yeah. It sounds familiar. Yeah, and I really, really like the 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 um, strategy aspects of it, and it's turn based kind of, which is my speed. 
I'm terrible at like Twitch mm-hmm. shooting and stuff. I need time to like think through my move, load my weapon, mm-hmm. consider if it's the right weapon, you right. know, whatever. This is like an in a I don't know what it's called, like, but it's in an anime story kind of. Mm-hmm. And it's so it's also telling you like a story. And speaking of long load screens, I don't know if we talked about it on the show or oh, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It has a load screen that's like literally I was gonna time it. This last time, every time I started up the game, it's like a minute and a half, maybe more load screen. Yeah. We're just showing you images of this thing. Like I'm hitting space bar. <laughs> I'm hitting d- escape. Uh-huh. I'm hitting everything. The mouse keys. Right. And I was like, I can't skip this thing. So I've sat through it like a lot of times. Uh-huh. Today, when I was actually going to record it for the show to talk about it, I hit enter and that skipped it. And I was like, <laughs> I wish you would just said like at the bottom, like hit enter, right, hit yeah, enter, yeah, right? Some kind of prompt. Some prompt. Just give me some prompt. Yeah. Um, but again, it brings up my issues with like, I've tried to get into anime. And you turned me on to Cowboy Bebop. Right. I really like Studio... Um, Ghibli mm-hmm. films, which is kind of anime, but not really. Yeah. Akira, I think I watched younger, and I think I liked it. I can't really remember. Mm-hmm. But I can't, I and I've tried, because a lot of filmmakers that I like, Ryan Johnson mm-hmm. really likes anime and stuff, or will reference it a lot, reference it in Looper, is so goofy. Yeah, anime is not something I can. It is I've so ever been able to get into. goofy. I don't know what, and I don't know what the tone is. Yeah, like it's like talk about children's entertainment, mm-hmm. where you're like, what makes this children's entertainment with the anime stuff? I'm like, like I my crew, my squadron, mm-hmm. my army squadron just adopted a pig with wings uh-huh. that whose mother was accidentally killed uh-huh. in Crossfire. Right, and it's like. Okay, I yeah. guess like why why is that interjected in this larger story about war or whatever? And the characters are just so goofy. I mean, I still like it mm-hmm. and I'm still playing it. But uh it might have been the last nail in the coffin of any anime. It will have to be <laughs> like you'll have to really convince me. I have to be like Cowboy right. Bebop esque. I mean, that's the thing. Like for me, Cowboy Bebop is like Cowboy Bebop is like in the for it's in my pantheon, right? It's like Cowboy Bebop might be in like the top five, my top five favorite things of all time, right? Mm-hmm. But there is literally not a single other anime that I can even stand to watch for more than 30 seconds. I don't know why. And maybe it is, maybe it's like a mashup thing, right? Because like the a flying, it's just, they're just mashing up all these different things together. And that's really all Cowboy Bebop is doing. Right. But the things they're mashing up are cool, right? You mm-hmm. know, like the Bebop movement, you know, spaghetti westerns, all these different, uh, you know, influences that just adds up to this really awesome thing. Um. So I wanted to follow up a little bit on the Leon Bridges recommendation because you told me to listen to Leon Bridges last <laughs> uh, yeah. last week. So I watched his performance on Fallon. Fallon. 
And we listened to four or five songs in the car today on the, we went out to um, dinner and I, it's not that I think it's bad. It just, it's, it's kind of boring. Like I don't, nothing about it stands out to me. You know what I mean? It just sounds like a very typical average R and B album. Like it doesn't sound special to me in any way whatsoever. I do not mean to brag. Uh This is going to sound a little braggadocious, Uh but in college there, there are some bands that I would recommend to you guys Mm -hmm. and you would all be like, Nope, next or Mm -hmm. whatever. Dismissive. Uh huh. And then an album later or two albums later, it's like, have you heard this band? And I'm like, yeah, that's uh-huh. the band I recommended. That's Alexis on fire, dude. Exactly. That's <laughs> Alexis on fire. That's my morning jacket. Uh-huh. I was huge on my morning jacket. Right. And you guys were dismissive of their first album, which I was trying to play and play and play. I never listened to their first album. Right. I wasn't dismissive no. of it. I just never listened to it. No, you didn't. You did listen to it. Because I played in the car, oh, okay. but you would just always be like, whatever. Whatever, right. But also, to be fair, My Morning Jacket's second album, Z, is completely different from their first album. But but this is what I'm saying. In their first album, I'm hearing things that are interesting. And I'm like... You were not hearing Z on the yes, first album. I, I, was he- I wasn't hearing... I'm not predicting Z, but I am saying these guys are interesting. Right. Like... We should be paying attention because what they're doing on this album speaks to what's to come. So, Uh you know, just like any filmmaker, right? Like you watch an early short by Wes Anderson. And if you're just watching as a short, you're being like, okay. I mean, that was what black and white and Uh whatever. Then you watch as a filmmaker and you're going, wow, there's, there's something here, right? This guy has something. I want to give him money. I want to see what he, what, what, what he makes. And so there are like Alabama Shakes. I recommended the first album to you. Mm-hmm. The first album is not great. It's not a great album. I can't really listen to it all the way through. There are certain aspects of it that really great on me. Mm-hmm. Even though as I'm watching the live performances and, and things, I'm saying this, these people got something like this is really, really, int- this is really good. Mm-hmm. And you need to listen to it based on that idea that like, this is going to be something. Leon Bridges is exactly that, where his first album feels like a first album, you know? And I'm not going to say it's the best thing ever. It's not the mm. best album of the year. Right now, midway through, it's probably just breaking my top 10. Mm-hmm. So it probably won't even be there by the end of the year. It's right behind Jesse Balin. You know it. Jesse <laughs> Balin is actually way ahead. But, uh, but what this guy is doing now uh, is really interesting, really exciting. And he's 25. As he figures it out, uh-huh. like I think it's going to get even better and better. The production quality is on point for what he's trying to do. Some of the songs, I agree, are a little... They, they lack a, a real punch and a kick throughout that you mm-hmm. get in some of the best... R&B music, yeah. classic Motown. But there's something there. 
and his use of background singers and the production values on it, I think are really solid. Mm -hmm. And his songwriting is really great. Lisa Sawyer is a, that's, that's a really great song and it's, and it's his voice. And I think it's interesting that he has a voice as distinct as he does on his first album. And I think if people listen to it and write him off, they're going to be missing out on what's coming. So I'm not saying just Leon Bridges, this album, I'm saying okay. Leon Bridges, sure. period. Well, then call, call me when you know he's transcended. Call me when he's interesting. He's interesting. Call me when he's beyond interesting. You know what? I take call back me the, when his potential is fulfilled. I, I, I take it back about me sounding braggy <laughs> when you just said, "Call me when an artist gets interesting." I take but it I mean, all look, back. That's, I, again, that's our approach. Like I don't, I don't have time to listen to that. Like I, that's great that you listen to it. I don't want to spend my time listening to it. I want to listen to the thing that is transcending the thing. In the moment. I don't want to listen to the thing that's going to lead up to the thing that's going to transcend the thing, right? Just give it to me. Give me the greatest. That's what I want. And if it's not, I'm going to, you know, let them do whatever they do, and I'm going to move on. Not interested. You're just interested in the drops on the roller coaster. Like, just give me the drop. Stop. Let me out. You guys go on the rest. (laughs) Sure. That's all I'm here for. I'm just here for that drop. Did you listen to uh, Vince Staples' album? It was on NPR First Listen. No, I. He's a rapper yeah. who is loosely affiliated with Odd Future, right? And I saw Pitchfork gave it like a best new release. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and I started listening to it on NPR's First Listen, but I didn't get to it before its release. Now it's off, right? It's not there. No, it's there. I just listened to it today. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. It and it is great. Okay, it is transcending oh so whatever the rap standard is right so you got staples new album has is beyond that it is worth listening to forget anything vince has done before it is beyond boring right because like the leon bridges thing what you said it's basically a nice way of saying yeah it's boring but it's leading to something there, there are some great songs on there. Really, really, really great songs. All right. Well, I'm saying the Vince Staples album is all great songs. Okay. There's one for me that didn't work. And it's because one of the guest rapper has like a really strange, almost like uh, digital underground. Is that their name? The, the guy who raps on there. Okay. It's just I, mean, I don't a, know what you're referencing. It's like a really strange nasally voice. Okay. Um, and it all I think is nappy roots. When you say nasal song. rapper, there's a guy in nappy roots that has a really nasal delivery. Yeah. No, I'm talking about the guy from Digital Underground who's got like a big nose. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. His voice. Humpty. He sounds like that guy. Yes, Humpty. Yeah. That's who he sounds like, and it just is like this. Totally comes out of nowhere. It's like the third or fourth last song in the album but it's good and i haven't had a time to really look into the lyrics um but what parts i was was paying attention to while doing like data entry today i feel like he it's it's just it's really that stuff is really interesting to me like is he telling a story yeah he's kind of telling a story talking about his background like for me 
a lot of rap as a medium, a, a, at least its biggest representation is not very insightful, right? It's not very intelligent. Whereas I feel like people like Vince Staples or um, Earl Sweatshirt, is that his name? Mm-hmm. I, who I don't particularly care for, but mm. they're doing a lot more with the actual lyricism of the medium. Of the medium. Yeah. So, and it... The, that album would be my recommendation if I had, had already had something else. Oh. So, moving on to recommendations, um... I want to, it's a really quick recommendation, and I'm recommending it more for the conversation we'll have about it than the actual item itself. Sounds like a Leon Bridges recommendation to me. I don't know. Maybe (laughs) you should call me when uh, whatever you're recommending has actually transcended. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So there's a a photographer whose name is Donna Stevens, and she released a photo set this week or sometime in the near present sometime in the near in the distant in the near past she released a photo set called idiot box and it's just um, a collection of photos of little kids watching tv Mm -hmm. so i just want you to take a look at those photos and then we'll talk about it on next week okay next week's episode of uh everything is interesting my name is Justin Blizzard. I've been here with Keith Krepko. Uh, any of the things that we talked about in the show, you can find in our show notes or on the website eipodcast.com. I have links to everything we talked about. I have timestamps for all the things we talked about, so you can skip ahead if you don't want to be spoiled or if you're just not interested in uh, balls out <laughs> <laughs> or whatever it is we're talking about. Um, my review could have just been why did I watch it <laughs> how did I watch this yeah, yeah. who watched this <laughs> was it me that watched this why am I feeding into the culture of this movie um, so yeah we'll be back uh, next week where we're going to after this we're going to record our next episode of True Detective which we've been watching uh, tr- of everything True Detective so if you're interested in that you can uh, check out that podcast on iTunes is called Everything True Detective, or it's also at eipodcast.com. Um, so we'll see you next week. Bye.